Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Celtics Stuff Live with your hosts, Justin Poulin and John Duke. Welcome to Celtics Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Celtics. Undefeated in the postseason so far, 2-0, and but down a man, John, and so disappointing. We'll get into Hayward. We'll get into... The Philadelphia 76ers, who I did not think were going to roll over at the very beginning of Game 2, and frustratingly so, because I thought, geez, seize. And then, oh, yeah. Uh, lots to talk about. And what about <laughs> Golden State? Like, I know they've had, you know, a little bump in the road, and they lost KD, but, geez, the number two pick, draft lottery, just went off. John and I hopped on, and we're going to have this awesome pod for you right away so good to be talking to you again good to be seeing some basketball especially when the celtics look like they improved without actually playing a game for six months amazing holy freaking crap man i mean you know there is a part of this like how much is this the opposition versus how much is it how much of it is what the celtics are doing and how how good they look but oh my god i mean there was you know yes they were, you know, in both games, Philly has come out strong. They've looked good. But I would say without question, without question, I feel like this is about what the Celtics are doing. I feel like the Celtics, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, Jason Tatum's unbelievable shooting, Jalen Brown really making some tough plays and really getting the momentum going in their, you know, direction. Kemba Walker finding spots and finding the opportunities to hit those those easy, so easy mid-range jumpers. Um, you know, and, and then the bench, the bench looking amazing in game two. Man. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's clicking on all cylinders and to have it happen against Philly. Oh, how sweet that is. Yeah. I mean, they're down. And so it, it seemed almost too easy to break them. Honestly. I mean, Embiid definitely trying to do everything he can. You got to take, uh, you got to give Brad some serious kudos for doing a great job of game planning, and we're definitely going to be talking about the bench because huge sparks from Robert Williams and even Ennis Canner, and then uh, players like Romeo Langford and Grant Williams definitely coming up big, sparking it, like you mentioned, in game two, and then Jalen Brown and, and Kemba Walker, and I just want to talk about that game too because – while I realized the spark was the play of the bench that really pulled them, pulled their heads out of their butts, really. But uh, I love the fact that Kemba stopped trying to force up all those threes and found that soft spot in the defense uh, before getting too close to the rim, utilizing that uh, pick and pop and, and, the sc- mm-hmm. and the screens, but not as high. It's almost like Philly's perimeter defense is solid and their interior defense is solid. And it's the reason they had the Celtics number who knows what it would be like right now with Ben Simmons. It would be different. That defense for Philly would be tighter, but I just love the way that, that Kemba found that soft spot, but Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown made sure that that game 
didn't get away from them. And what I mean is attack, attack, yeah. attack. And even how about that one play when he missed two shots in a row, but he got like three offensive rebounds yep. or whatever it was. <laughs> and, and then that, pulled it out on the third attempt. All right, I'm not going to get this one in the room. I'm coming out. And, I'll, you know, that is that was on what we've too, needed from it? him forever. Wasn't that on Horford, too? Wasn't Horford yeah. guarding him? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's had he's he's we've gotten the best of Horford several times. And I was I thinking to myself while watching that, you know, because remembering I think it was in game one, he gets the dunk and he's all you know, and I'm like, Oh, you showboat, you're dead. You're so dead. That's not Al Horford. You just you just turned into Philly culture and you're gonna get spun out and spat out. And so now that just bugged me. But then when I, I was like, I wonder where John's going to go with that. I wonder if he's going to be, yay, we put it in Horford's face, or if it's still going to be, you know, Horford was a great guy when he was here, because he was. And we gave him plenty of room for no criticism for having left. I still feel so good. We're not bitter, though. We're not bitter. I just want to be, we'll be clear about that. We are not bitter You're about this. with us or against us. It's not about being bitter. <laughs> It's about, hey, how about you keep your mouth shut? Uh-huh. Well, remember, he also, on the first night of the of the season, when they played in Philly, he rang the bell. He rang the bell, you know, which is kind of like the big Philly thing, you know. And so, look. It just I, comes I full circle, you know. He, he rings the bell, is. and then he gets his bell rung. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, look, he's counting. He'll be laughing all the way to the bank. But you wonder, if we went to him now, you know, a year ago, it was take the money and run, sure. But if you came to him and had a chance to have a do-over, can't tell. I mean, he, you got to think he would he would maybe think twice about that. Because he's going to spend the next three years either playing in misery as a bench player for the Sixers or, or get traded away as a salary dump. Or there's some sort of, you know, amnesty thing. His the trajectory of the rest of his career by that decision is going to be is going to be troublesome. You know, kind of in the same way Carmelo Anthony's has. You know, he he's always taken the money, and you know, it hasn't really worked out for him. You know, over the course of his career, he's he's rich as hell, but it really hasn't worked out for his status as a player. And I wonder if so you know, good Al for Horford, us though. It, so well, good it's, for it's us. good for us. And but to, because and, there and to wouldn't go, have been cap yeah. space, right? Wouldn't With, that right. have? Or well, we did the trade, well, but didn't we still need some of that? We to make could have. Yeah, there was a way they could have done it. It was tough. There was a way they could have done it. You know, they would have had to have Brooklyn buy in on the on the on the sign and trade, and right. but it seemed like that would have worked. It seemed like there was a way to make it happen, but it was pretty slim. But you know, but either way, you know, look, I, I think. Sometimes the best deal is the ones you don't make, and and maybe it's good that they didn't have him and paying him, you know, even if it was the twenty two million, you know, would you want to pay him? I I think he'd be much more worth twenty two million in Boston than worth thirty million in Philly. I think they would have found a way to play him, and he would have worked well. But would Rob Williams have gotten an opportunity here? Would uh, Tice stand up in the way he has? You know, there's there's so many questions that would have come with that. So uh, I'm happy. I like where we are moving forward. Um, you know, I, I think if I, I don't think it could have scripted it better, frankly, <laughs> given where we are. And and to go back to your earlier point, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown. Like, I mean, I, I want to throw a whole bunch of bouquets towards Jason Tatum. But in both games, I felt like the guy who's kind of really turned it, not necessarily, I mean, Tatum broke it open, I felt like. But no, Jay- Tatum, without Tatum, they're nothing. No, it's almost but, like he's it's almost like he's so good he's not yeah. even the guy to talk about right now. I, until they're yes. playing Milwaukee, until they have a shot at a, at the NBA Finals, even you know, until the game is on the line and he scores the last eight points, and this will all happen. It, and it may not all happen this year, but those things will happen. But it's almost like he's so good, you have to find the other players on the team that made a difference because he well, is just creating so much space to get his shot off. I, I definitely want to talk about Tatum in a sec, but I, I just, I want to, I want to echo and, and amplify your earlier point about, about Jalen Brown, 
because Jalen, there's something about Jalen. We talked about it a couple of times in the bubble here, but he, he's the guy. It feels to me that turns it around. He's the guy. There's, there's something about him either in terms of a leader or, or, a or it's, it's leadership or it's, it's single-mindedness. It's it's a it's a directive. It's a focus. I'm not exactly sure what it is. It, it is all of that turned, because yes. look at his eyes. Yeah, he's yeah. on a mission. He's on a mission. He's focused and he wants. To, he knows what needs to be. It feels like he knows what he needs to be done, and he now has the ability to use all these ample skills he has in such a way that can really uh, dictate things. I don't think he has the raw uh, scoring flame throwing ability of a Jason Tatum, but he doesn't need that. <laughs> he doesn't need to be that guy. He can just be really freaking good. I mean, you know, we can get all excited about the, the, the 360 dunk and frankly, why wouldn't we be? But that guy, I just, I have all the respect in the world for that guy, Jalen Brown. I mean, I'm just, I've been so impressed with him over the past 12 months and, uh, you know, on the court, off the court, certainly. But, um, you know, I think that there's a, there's a piece of this that, you know, smart has this, they all kind of have their piece of this, which is what I really like about this team. I think there's a, there's a leadership role that Jalen is starting to latch onto. Smart is a guy I think who patrols the locker room and who keeps people in check. And I think Tatum is just this raw, unadulterated power um offensively that frankly is is mvp caliber and we're seeing it now and uh oh my goodness it just you get tingles on the back of your neck when you watch the guy play i mean it's ridiculous (laughs) i mean mean, it's crazy what you see him doing this stuff nobody else nobody else gets a shot off with a defender right up on him like that other than harden and and let's be real Harden travels every time he goes into a step back, it seems, right? But yeah. Jason's is legitimate. And and I'm there's a height difference there too, right? So but yeah. even then and, and a length difference. And so that's a factor. But dude, it's it's so smooth what yeah. Tatum's doing. Yeah. It's he's like in the zone. And what's great to see, a lot of guys that have success especially on offense like tatum is right now at this age it comes with a lot of volume shooting yeah and some seriously poor nights on percentages that's not what we're seeing right now i mean there's been nights like that for tatum but on the whole he's a very high percentage shooting player he shot better from three than he did from two this year and the numbers ridiculously in the 40s and so uh, this is a guy that is staying in the zone, even with periods of not having to shoot along the way. And that's what's creating this enormous chemistry and allowing other players to take their turn. It's how Brown gets 29 points and it creates space for everybody. And then again, what was so amazing about game two was all the different looks going into a zone we haven't seen that many adjustments in one game from Brad Stevens. I don't think ever. I think that game showed so many different looks and total faith in the entire team and giving everybody. I mean, they went really deep in the bench and you can't simply say it's because Hayward was out. Um, there were needs there. There were, there were things that they needed to get done with Grant Williams that it wasn't like Hayward was going to do that. Great adjustments. And again, those things work and those bench players are ready to play and have that confidence because you don't have players on this club that are volume shooters hogging the shots. Kemba doesn't hog it. Jalen doesn't hog it. Tatum doesn't hog it. Gordon was one of the most unselfish stars on the team. It's the reason guys, it's what it's all about, man. That's basketball. And you know, you know, so Donovan Mitchell, you know, uh, future Boston Celtic um, and <laughs> current Utah Jazz uh, player uh, who is, you know, friends with Tatum, a contemporary, a guy who, you know, that rookie season um, really starred much more so than Tatum did, uh, was kind of neck and neck with Ben Simmons and a fraudulent rookie of the year campaign that Ben Simmons never should have been a part of. 
because uh, I completely object to the idea that a guy sits out a year and then becomes a rookie. I don't understand how that is um, when you get NBA training, but I'll put that aside for now. But Donovan Mitchell, who I think is a good player, strong player. I like watching him play, you know. Um, Absolutely could take over a game. Let's put it on that same par. Sure. Absolutely take over a game. Absolutely. 57 points, nine rebounds, seven assists in their their game one loss to Denver uh, overtime. Minus 11 in that, 33 shots, 33 field goal attempts for for Donovan. How many for the team? How many for the oh, entire team? Oh, for the right whole there? team in that one? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, just, so the whole team that night had 95. So he had a fifth, a little, a little more than a fifth of all the team's shots. Not a fifth, sorry, that, a third. Hit 21. Oh, I thought you said 33. Sh- oh, not made. Oh, I'm attempts. sorry. You're right. You're right. No, no. I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely yeah, right. 33 yeah, attempts 33. out of 95. It's, it's 34, yeah. 35% yeah, of the shots. Third of the shots, yeah. 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 So, so you take that, and, and you know that's why, you know, going to what you're, you know, what you were talking about here. You know, a game like Game Two, right? Tatum clearly, I mean, incendiary. I mean, the guy. I'm surprised he was able to sit down and didn't melt the uh, the, the Gatorade seats that they have there for the for the fans or for the for the uh, the folks playing. He had 20 shots, shots, you know, eight for 12 from three, right? Plus 29 on the night. Now, look, I mean, he's in a different role, his size. I mean, there's a whole bunch of other stuff. But, like, what would Tatum have done if he had 33 shots in that game? You know, uh, Celtics only had 86 shots. I got you. Well, shooting shooting 40%, he would, you know, he would have more than than 50. Yeah. Right. If he more than doubled the number of shots he took, right, he had, you know, he only, quote, unquote, had 33 points. 33 points after wearing uh, literally Larry Bird shorts walking in. Um, that is, to me, at, at the mark of the man, the mark of Jason Tatum at this point, is that he's talking about the importance of doing that, yes, but making sure I'm doing the defense. Making sure, you know, making the right reads, like you were saying. Um it's making those adjustments in, in how things, you know, they go zone, they throw a double at him, they blitz him, they, you know, seeing all that and responding. And then, you know, here's, and, and then not even a part of him, but in terms of the type of player he is, Jalen Brown's posting stuff on his Instagram, like, hey, you know, Tatum is the first rookie, you know, first person under 22 to hit nine threes in a game. Now, you know what, what does that mean? Maybe it means nothing. But the fact that these guys who, Somewhat, we talked about this a little bit, I think two weeks ago, about, you know, you know your young guys and who's going to take the lead. And you don't, you don't want to see a Westbrook-Durant uh, situation crop up. And you see these guys cheering for each other, rooting each other on. You know, there's room with enough at the both, for both of them. And they play defense. They, they are both – they want to see each other succeed. And as good as he is as an ISO player – there is no like sense of this that he's like losing shots or you know Jalen's upset because of this and that. It no one no one cares. It's about it's because win- they it's because they like to play defense because they have a fo- they're so bought into the whole team concept. It's so clear and and who knows? Let's be real. What will happen year after year with changes in roster construction and things will happen, but. If if those two players and and you know Marcus Smart is a big part of this too, if those two players think about them at age twenty five, and Marcus Smart, what he won't quite be thirty at that point, right? You're talking three four years from now, and Marcus is twenty five now, right? That's right. Yeah. Yep. So so Marcus is in in his late thirties, still durable enough to throw his ass all over the floor like he does. And then these two guys with, I mean, seriously, think about it. Eastern, we got to see what happens when they face Toronto. It's likely going to be Toronto, but we got to see what happens there. But, but if they got to the Eastern Conference finals and then you still got three more years, it's not out of the question for them to go at least two more times, if not every time. Can you imagine two players? At the age of 25, who are the star players on your team, having already been to four or, you know, let's say four Eastern Conference Finals. Not even Clay and Steph did that. 
That's right. Absolutely. That's amazing. I, and that's, that's the comp now. You know, I used to laugh when you'd say, like, I want it to be like that. And I'd be like, Justin, come on. When does that ever happen? And the odds would say, I'm right and you're wrong. But the reason. But I'm a dreamer, baby. I, 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 I dream a lot of crazy, awesome things that come true. Yeah. And, and you can't, and you can't argue with it because it's there, it's happening. You know, uh, it's hard to not see this and be like, yeah, that's where we're, that's where we're going. That's, that's where we are. Uh, you know, Jason Tatum and, and these Boston Celtics and, and, and Jalen Brown, I mean, they're built like the Golden State Warriors, and Smart is their Draymond, and they're built for this. And he uh, really is, man, what he's been doing to Embiid. Let's do the ad read. We'll talk about Smart, Kemba, Bench, and then we'll hit a little bit on the draft lottery, maybe just a little bit of a downer for, for Celtics fans who would have loved to punt that pick just one more time and get a crack at it next year. But live sports are back. And it's very possible that we may see an NBA playoff matchup between the Clippers and the Nuggets. And that's why our partners at Manscape have partnered with us to make sure your Nuggets, <laughs> this is so oh, good, geez. to make sure your Nuggets are as safe as possible when that matchup happens. And so to keep your nuggets safe <laughs> manscaped is going to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And I'll tell you what, it's happened a few times. There is nothing worse than grabbing out that disposable razor. That's been sitting in the shower and then, Oh, Nick, Nick, oh, I need some gel so I'll feel better. The lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skid-safe technology, your snags will be reduced. They actually just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring te- <clears throat> whoa, featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes slash tip tweezers. That just sounds dangerous. I'm sorry. Whoa slash tipped tweezers like i'm on a motorcycle right now Mm. (laughs) slash tipped tweezers rounded point scissors fingernail clippers and a medium grit nail file their perfect package 3.0 comes with the new and improved lawnmower water waterproof see here's what everybody doesn't know john we we get a free one of these kits and yeah. they sent both of them to you this time. So I didn't get mine. I still have my both. old kit. And yeah. and this this is key right here. This this is so key. The per the perfect their perfect package 3.0 comes with the new and improved lawnmower waterproof. Yeah. So key, dude. I do not have a you gotta ship me my stuff. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing you. I'm even doing the ad read. I even threw it's, in a Nick Gelso. It's it's Water- literally it's it is lit too. It's got a little light on it too. So, um, no you know, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Waterproof cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs. Yeah. I definitely like the swag, the travel bag I'm using it right now, uh, for you to use when you're done quarantining. I use it anyway. I just, I travel so much. I just keep it in the bag and then I'm ready to go. Grab the bag and go. <laughs> so Grab many of you like and- this. This so is many. awesome. The grab perfect the package. <laughs> grab the bag and go. Uh, <laughs> that was unintentional. The perfect package 3.0 also comes with, with the crop preserver and the crop reviver. Now, all right. The crop preserver. I was going to ask this question because I haven't actually read this read until right now. The crop preserver. I knew what this was. This came in the last kit. It's anti-chafing ball deodorant, which ensures that your afternoon stroll doesn't end with your balls sticking to your leg, which it absolutely happens. And in quarantine, everybody's going for that afternoon stroll. Now, this, this is different. The crop reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls, and it's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that will give your balls a boost, maybe even a jump. You can get they yeah. all need a boost. Let's be honest, right? Well, I mean, you and I are in our forties, right? Or everything. Yeah. 
You just turned 40? Did you just turn 40? Oh, God. 42. 42. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. We've been doing this a long time, Justin. I'd say. (laughs) Seriously, I was in my 20s when we started this. I know. know. That's crazy. It is crazy. We're going to be, you know, pretty soon we're going to be doing our, our 20th year show. That's insane. Oh my, oh my gosh. Hey, well, Apple, Apple, we talk about 20 years. You can get 20% off and free shipping using the promo code at manscaped.com. And the promo code is super easy. The code is code. It's capital C O D E code. That easy. Get 20% off. Dude, this is my favorite. Oh no, new code. Haha. <laughs> no. We didn't we didn't update our read. That's what happened there. The code, <laughs> that's an that's an insert. The code, and this is still again apropos, talking about almost 20 years, 20% off and free shipping with our code CSL20. There you go. At manscaped.com. That's 20% off with the free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use promo code CL. Jeez, I don't even know what I'm, I'm CLNS. No, use our code CSL. That stands for Celtic Stuff Live. CSL20 and take your grooming game to the next level. That was one of the more fun ad reads we've ever done on this show. I'm not even gonna lie. And, and it's a good product. I, 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 we. There's a lot of stuff we read. This is one we absolutely can endorse. We both have used it. We both like it. It's worthwhile. It's worthwhile to, to spend spend on what you need for this. So definitely go go out and get it. Put the I really code do. in. Like let it. them know. Not gonna lie, I like it. Yeah, it's legit. <laughs> it was the one. It was the first ad where we got like you know because because a lot of the advertisers on CNLS Media will send you samples. It was the first one when it arrived and I opened it. I was like, um. Okay, and right. and then started going through the box and was like, I I love this, I yes. love this. Yes. Yeah. I okay. Totally speaking agree. of things totally I love, agree. I love Marcus Smart, and there isn't anybody in Boston who doesn't. The dude only brings somewhat infrequent groans from me when he keeps shooting three pointers. He's got a tendency. He's not going to do it very often. He definitely did it the other night, and yet he does all these other things that you almost forget that you groaned. Uh, and <laughs> and it's like, re- really, you're gonna you're gonna shoot it again? You're having an off night, Marcus. You're not hitting three. Stop shooting them. And then you know a little bit later, he he gets one to go. And even ESPN's thinking the same thing. Or TNT, I think that was on TNT. And they're like, ah, he finally gets one. Good for him. And I'm like, yeah, I've been thinking that. Like, why do you keep shooting it, dude? But he does so many other things, and his defense on Embiid, and I'm not just talking about what they highlighted from game one where he would come over and help because, yeah, the rest of the team definitely learned from that strategy. When Romeo Langford was out there, he looked a lot like Marcus Smart, like he was really watching what Smart was doing, and when it was his turn, he kept shading over to Embiid and trying to get that steal and knock it loose. But but then there's adjustments. How many times... And we saw this, you know, Brad, like, it's a flop. It's a flop. What's going on with Embiid? It's a flop. How many times did Marcus seriously take a beating? I mean, I know we had the Jalen injury to his thigh, you know, that that he kind of overcame. But how many times did, did Smart just get clocked by Embiid and just take it? Oh, for real. Yeah. Yeah, there, there was a number of them. And, and I, it almost seems like Smart is – hunting those he's looking he's, he's for eager it. to get yeah he knows it's in your head in your yeah. head dude he's uh, totally getting in their head <laughs> yeah you know I, I although the, the sixers are the ones playing like a zombie zombie <laughs> <laughs> it's yes. like ladies and gentlemen Embiid, we are from the 90s <laughs> we are i'm about to reference the rocky movie you know like Embiid is like I will break you. And then Smart's like, no, I'm Rocky. And and how appropriate is that playing against Philly? If you can change and I can change, then we all can change. We all can but change. Philly's front office is never going to change. And, and I think they're going to try to pin this on Brett Brown. This is bigger than Brett Brown. This is yeah, about those fault. two guys. I was listening to Low Post today on the way home. You know, and I keep – and they're like, well, you know, they're – 
Zach is like, well, you know, uh, you know, if you lose a, a, a you know an All NBA third team guy, you're not going to look that good. Zach, you don't get it, man. It's not. I I, I respect a lot of Zach Lowe, and I, you know, yes, defensively they would look a heck of a lot better with Ben Simmons out there guarding Tatum than than whatever the hell they're doing with Matisse Thybul. But like, truthfully, this is this is a problem. They are a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not going to work with those two guys. It's just not, you know, and, and maybe there's stuff that they could do around, you know, adding pieces around, but those pieces have to be so important and they have to be the absolute perfect pieces to fit next to those two guys that it's never they need done. to get smaller. Yeah. What they, they went the wrong direction. They kept getting bigger and what they really needed to do was get smaller with higher level talent. Kemba, right? If they had spent that money on Kemba instead yeah. of on Horford, they would be in a completely different place right now. Yep. Completely different place. Because but, there's no reason. Look at what the Celt. This is a great example. And, and Simmons is great with the ball in his hand, and, and I get yeah. all that. But Embiid can shoot from the outside. They have a perfect way to play an inside-out game if they take the ball out of Ben's hands to initiate the offense, right? Because they could invert that. And even though he doesn't shoot from the outside, he can playmake from within the post, shift back out, and they can have Ben leading it on the offense, leading, uh, directing the offense from the outside and Embiid spacing it. And then a guy like Kemba, you know, who's going to be able to go in and find the soft spots while they pulled everybody out because they're big is perfectly capable of hitting that shot. Plus they can still switch back into bully ball. And, totally. and they, that's what they, they need. They need another ball handler with Simmons, not because Simmons isn't capable, but because Simmons can't shoot from outside. And you have to get him you have to get him inside without the ball in his hands to be I'm not saying he's not effective otherwise, but that's what they needed. They didn't need, you know they yeah, they just don't need they did not need Horford and they didn't need more big men. And yeah. and the and the game look at the way the Celtics totally game playing. That's all right. We got a guy who can shoot mid range, so it's fine. It's fine. You can pack the middle, you know, or you can you can blitz us on the perimeter. But they finally figured it out, you know. Get them in transition because they're big and slow. Exactly. I mean, and <laughs> I just look. I I love I love Philly falling apart. I don't love Brett Brown getting you know getting the short end of it. He's a main guy, or you know, I think he's a good dude. I think he's been in a tough situation. Um, you know, he's, you know, yes, there were some bad teams and, and they kind of worked through those things. And, and so, you know, now they're, they're ready for the next level and, and maybe he's not ready for that, but this team, the way that this, the basis of this Sixer team is, is, is a faulty foundation. And I don't see that it's going to work no matter what they do. What I sucks is it's killing the rivalry. This was the, the process <laughs> versus like, I'm serious. I, I, this is a this is one perfect. of the teams. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, think about it. Earlier in the year, before COVID, we were having this conversation. It's like, man, Philly's kind of got their number this year, and and we were confident that Boston would be able to take them in the postseason, and that it wasn't fully representative. You know, first games, the first game of the season, and teams still kind of coming together, even though they played USA basketball together, and da 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 da. But but this was. This was a rivalry and and two different rebuilding styles all together. Uh, th- there's there's so many storylines here and 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 I'm I'm happy to uh, hopefully it's a sweep and and we just move on and get some rest because we said this was going to be important and now without Hayward it's even more important. A, a sweep would be beautiful. Um, and I think the Celtics are benefiting from no travel, to be honest with you. I, I think I think their team chemistry is giving them an advantage in the bubble. There's no doubt uh, in my mind, and they can really get into that groove and um, and all of that. But but I do feel like we're being robbed a little bit of the rivalry uh, between these two teams. And I'm not saying I want Philly to come back, you know, but but it, I don't know, man. I went to a playoff game the year we beat them four uh, one. And it was the only game they lost, and there were tons of Celtics fans packed in uh, in Philly. So I, I just think this could have been—it's been a rivalry, but I was just thinking it could have been a lot of fun. And um, 
We'll we'll see what happens. Definitely... But if they fire Brown, I uh, I think they're heading the wrong direction. I I mean I, yeah I th- I think that I think that's absolutely what's going to happen and you know until they f- I I think honestly until they figure out they got to trade one of those guys I, I think it's they're just going to be you know kind of uh, spinning the wheels truthfully I and I think the guy to trade is is probably Simmons but um you know I I don't know I I don't know I, I don't know how you I don't know how you play the way that they want to play with those two guys. I just don't see how it works in today's league. 1985. Oh my God. You're probably the best team in the league, you know, better than maybe even better than, than LA, you know, but like in this league right now, I just, I, I don't see it, you know? So, yeah. you know, look, I mean, I, I think I don't want to get too far ahead of us, but we should talk, like you said, we should talk about like kind of where this is headed. I think the series is over. I mean, don't you, I mean, this is, there's no yeah. way it's coming back. And I don't think they win another no, game. No, they, they really, they, they really looked broken and ready to give in by the end of game two. It, it didn't like it, and I don't want to make more than it is in one game. You know the the faces, you know, and the expressions. But I, I honestly, that's part of the reason I'm throwing Brad so much credit for the game planning. I think Philly realized they're like, dude, they can throw so much shit at us right now. They can throw so much at us and they've got they've got something for anything like the beginning of both games they went to Embiid and bang 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 but i also think Embiid's getting tired and 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 i'm not which is amazing to say because he's so big he's so big he i noticed it even more in this series than in the past and he's not any bigger than he's been but i really saw it this series and and maybe it's because smart's banging on him so much it just realized just how muscular and athletic and fluid he is for his size he's gigantic but he just you know it's a great example you can't do it all i'm not saying that philly isn't going to try to steal one that they're not i'm not saying that they don't have the fight in them i just think the celtics got their number and they know it i think psychologically they've already been put in the sleeper hold yeah, I, I think so. I, I think you saw that with Embiid, you know, the the uh, the video of him sitting on the on the bench at the end there. He, he's a beaten guy, you know. Honestly, I mean, I think he'll, he's going to play on Friday. Uh, but if they lose, they go on three zero. They're going to shut him down. I don't think he plays game four. I think he's done for the series. Um, you know, I think it, if <laughs> I they think steal one, it could be that game just because it changes everything. Yeah, I, I, you mean game three? You think they could still game no, three? No, no. When no, no. If they go to game four and they sit and beat, oh, that's oh, one yeah. that the team could actually that could give them a spark to to try to fight, you know, and and there'd be enough of a an adjustment in game plan that the Celtics could get caught off guard, thinking they were going to get an easy win, and then they you know take a little punch in the mouth and get to play one more. Sure. Yeah, I, I think. I think it's probably I – mean, I think it's going to be a sweep at this point. I just – I see a Celtics team that's so locked in, so focused, so together as a unit. You know, there's – I mean, Philly's made some shots, and, and it hasn't mattered. The Celtics have just been that much better. And so, you know, to me, that seems like they're just not going to get beyond that. <laughs> you know, there's not going to be – it's just not going to go, you know, further. But, like – if the Celtics, you know, like I said, they pull up Friday, I think I think it's over, and we're talking about Toronto because Toronto is not going to lose another game to to uh, to the Nets. Do you think? I mean, it seems to me like that's a that's that's a, that's also a sweep as well. And and the NBA is not waiting for all of the the series to end for the next one start. So if for some reason, uh, you know, let's say you know either the uh, the Miami Indiana series is held up or what have you. The Celtics Raptors series would go ahead, so that could be rather interesting. Um, you know, if there is any holdup, whoever the winner is of that could have some rest uh, as if, as long as that's not as that long of a series. Um, so you know, just looking way ahead at, at this point, um, you know, there's a, there's a way for the winner of the Celtics. Uh, Raptors series to have a little bit of a lead, but I think that's going to be a slugfest. You know, I think yeah. we haven't talked much about Hayward. You know, his his absence, and I don't think he's that big of an issue in this series. 
I think he's he's a big definitely issue in Toronto in the Toronto series because that 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 switchability that Toronto has is key, you know, yeah. and you're going to have to rely a lot more on guys. To me, more Romeo Langford, less. Yeah, I was Shed- just going to say Langford. So yeah. with you on that. I think yeah. he's but series. but honestly, other than not getting the calls because he's a rookie and it's going to limit his minutes, even if he does a great job. Uh, he's going to get that treatment. And I think we did see it actually the other night, you know, things that they weren't calling on smart. They called on Langford. Um, There's a degree of physicality that they'll let players get away with. And the rookies don't get it. They just don't. And so Langford's going to struggle for that reason, but he's going to have some strong minutes. How about the three pointer that he hit? And you're talking about that, you know, that when the bench came in and gave him a lift, that three-pointer that he hit was so needed at that time, and he was playing great defense, especially considering, you know, how much experience he's had and never in an NBA postseason. So I, I like Langford a lot. He's far more promising. And I remember it was just like, ah, questions around his outside shot, and then they give him the paddle and like, oh, great, he's a work in progress. It's going to be a while. But he really gets the culture. My commitment to defense gets me on the floor. But then he's got a lot more offensive, just natural talent um, that's there. And he's got loads of confidence, which really helps a rookie. And I'm not saying these guys don't come into the NBA with confidence. But he has never, not once, had the look on his face like he didn't know what he was supposed to do. Like intellectually, he's there. He never looked like he didn't know what he was supposed to do. And he never looked... Like he didn't think he could do what was being asked of him. And sometimes when rookies come in and they start to see the speed of the game and the true size of some of these big men like Embiid, it does alter them. You know, they they don't get aggressive because they think their shot could get altered and they're worried about losing minutes for making the wrong play and overthinking their skill. I just never really seen that from him. Have you, can you remember a time this season? And I know he didn't get a ton of minutes, but can you remember a time when he was on the floor where you thought he's playing outside of himself? No, I, I think what I've seen perhaps is he, he, he looked tentative at times, but I never saw him like outsized, you know? I mean, I think that's with Carson, for example, I think Carson forces it sometimes right. more so. I feel like there's a with with Romeo, there's a a vibe. <laughs> I don't know if it, it, he just he feels the game, uh, right. and, and it kind of he he reads it, he sees it, he you know whatever that is, he's got that in him, uh, and he just he's into that flow. I mean, and and Smart's kind of like that too. I think is that it just. He can see things. Smart sees things and like creates havoc. Romeo sees things and kind of flows with it a little bit. Uh, right. And I, I don't know how I don't know how to describe that better, but I think you know I think you did saying, a good job. Right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think you did a really good job. I definitely understand. You know, it, it's sort of it's sort of the smoothness versus the chaos that is Marcus Smart. Mm-hmm. And and I'm thinking like what I've seen Romeo do is explore if it's a possibility but not lose control. And that's where I think the Carson Edwards comparison helped out a ton. Carson will explore, but then lose control. And that was my Mm -hmm. point about, I never really felt like Romeo played outside of himself, like beyond his capabilities. And there's nothing wrong in an NBA offense with exploring whether or not you can get away with something or how far can I get inside of the paint? What can I create? Okay, there's nothing here and and I'm going to I'm going to dribble it back out to the top of the key. Those are the kinds of things that Langford does. And and I think that sort of still gets the defense thinking a little bit. Like, eh, next time if he catches me sleeping, he's probably going to he's probably going to go for it. And yet he doesn't get baited very easily. So I think that's the part where you're saying he sees the game, or he sees the floor you know, really well versus maybe some of the other players. I think he's, we didn't, you know, everything about Jalen Brown heading into the draft was how heady he was. We didn't really see anything about that with Lankford, but I got a real strong hunch that, that Lankford's a, an, a very intelligent basketball mind. And I know we don't always focus on that a lot. They, the, the, what's exciting is the jumping and the athleticism and, and, and Lankford's athletic, make no mistake, may not be superior the way that that Jalen Brown is, but 
I think he's a very strong basketball mind, and I can't wait for a sophomore season. I think he could end up playing a, a decent amount of minutes, and and it could be for the rest of the playoffs because uh, you're right. Nobody else gives them that ability that Gordon Hayward did in, in such an effective fashion with a commitment to D. I don't think – there's been a lot of slander, I think, thrown Romeo's way over the last – you know, month, let's say, as people were kind of saying, well, what is this all this going to look like? And they're getting nothing from their bench. And, you know, Bill Simmons, you know, on ad nauseum. Um, also, I enjoyed the heck out of Bill Simmons calling uh, Javante Green, Jamichael Green. That's one of his favorite players and doesn't understand why huh. Jamichael Green isn't getting more time. But, you know, that's the Boston sports guy. Um, but but your point, I think. Who blocked you on Twitter in case you're new to the show? Yeah, <laughs> follow me on Twitter if you want to get more more Bill Simmons dislike. Um, but he, the thing about Romeo is that he has that he he like you said he has that read of the game. He isn't disruptive to it. There are times you wish you got more, perhaps, and and there was more offensive explosion or whatever that may be or how that may manifest. But honestly, that's not none of that is. To me, when he's on the floor, there's they have dynamic scorers. They don't need more players who are dynamic scorers. They need players who can hit open shots and maybe create, you know, and and take a a, a bad closeout by a defender and finish at the rim. He can do that, you know, and he can then read the defense and find the open guy as as well as a rookie possibly could. So to me, like for for what he has to be as you know, a, a fifth guy, a fifth offensive option when he's on the floor, fourth offensive option on the floor. He's he's more than adequate for that. He he has the size. He has the great defensive instincts. You know, I mean, is he like you know a plus plus guy who plays against Pat Connaughton? You know, if they get to a Philly series, or you know, uh, is Norm Powell going to abuse him? I don't think so. I mean, I think I think Norm's a good player, but I don't think he's going to get abused. So, you know, I guess my point is, is like, you know, none of the, he doesn't tip the balance away from Boston when he's on the floor. So why wouldn't you play him more? Why, if, if that's the type of player you need, that's the player who should be on the floor. And, you know, I, and he I mimics what it, Hayford, Hay, Hayford, he mimics what Hayward him too. <laughs> would, would do, you know, just doesn't quite have the ability to he, just not at the same level. It's just not at the same level, right. but he fits into the flow of the offense in a fairly similar way. It's just such a bummer for Hayward because uh, he was getting so aggressive. And I think on the last show I pointed that out. I just loved the way that that Hayward was taking it to the hole and his hops. And I'm glad it's not the ankle, you know, the ankle. But still, four weeks is a long time. Uh, that takes us at least to the Eastern Conference Finals. And, you know, the truth is, we got to be prepared for him just not really being ready unless he gets super ahead of schedule and starts feeling better. But it's going to be it's going to take some time, even when that's healed and it feels better for him to get confident again. Um, you know, you could make a showing in the finals, but we got to be thinking about this roster without Hayward. And I'll, and I'll add one other thing, because we're, we're pretty much tight on time and we're going to have to wrap it. And we haven't covered the lottery. But when we look at that bench. So encouraging against such a big team like Philly to watch Cantor really be able to give some good, strong minutes. Um, great to see Grant Williams, who hit a three-pointer mm-hmm. in game two. Mm-hmm. That was really Huge. critical as well. And and I'll go back more to game one, obviously, for Rob Williams. But again, uh, he takes a, he took a three-pointer in game two as well. <laughs> Not a good one. But um, – <laughs> but but Rob, you know, you can just see the energy. He's he. When you look at the smaller teams like Toronto, I think we get more Rob than Cantor. But it's so awesome the way that they have Tice is just the great screener, fight for some rebounds, hits a three pointer here and there enough to make it dangerous when he goes out. You know, enough to space it, maybe get some respect. You know, he's definitely the starter. But then they've got all these different looks that they can roll out there depending on the circumstances. And I just think great roster construction. Yeah. You know, especially when Rob Williams hits, 
when when Grant Williams hits, you're starting to see, I think, in Rob, this is this is second year Terry Rozier stuff. Terry Rozier didn't play great through his first year, got to the end, showed a little bit. Second year, not a great year, started a star as a second year player. And and then it built. And I think I think you're gonna see the same thing with Rob. That he's He's now going to be a, a rotation player for the Celtics moving forward. I, you know, I think Grant Williams is doing that same thing. It takes a long time. And the other thing to remember, the Celtics pick young players over old players. Batiste Thibel is three years older than Grant Williams. You know, these are not these are not players that you should hold on the same the same you know spectrum. It's a completely different. Yes, they're in the yeah, same. Yeah, we've draft, had this conversation. But and, yeah, and it, so yeah, absolutely. It takes a while for those guys to get to the place they are, and I'm quite confident. You know, for a Rob, for a Romeo, for a for a Grant Williams, I like the fact that we have younger players who have a higher ceiling. You know, would I like to have a bench with a few more veteran players? Yes, but but by and large, this puts you in a in a, in a, a better position to have a higher ceiling to make a larger impact down the road. And so you're totally right about that. I, I'm just, the future of this team is so bright. Um, and and I, I hate to lose Hayward, but there's opportunities here for players. And it'll be a different series against Toronto. And, and yes, I'm going to speak with certainty about that. You know, it's going to be much more fo- focused on, on smaller players, wing players, switching Um you know, Romeo is going to be a big, a big battle in that. You know, Wanamaker is going to have. To, you know, we may even see, you know, uh, Tremont Waters to try to find a water bug to stay in front of Fred Van Vliet. Um, yeah. Those guys are going to be a problem in this series, and we're going to have. I to will say though, tough. you bring up Wanamaker again, looking really steady, and that's what you need from a guard off the bench in the postseason. Just a steady, steady Eddie. I love him. All right, let's cover the let's cover the the draft lottery, uh, mostly just from the Celtics perspective. Everybody else is going to talk ad nauseum about the other teams and and you know basically the uh, Golden State. Pardon me, the Golden State Warriors are are likely shopping that pick, um, and, and it makes sense. Maybe it'll help them get somebody to to get that team back to the same level as if they had KD, or maybe not quite, but you know, give them a, a good, strong force there. Uh, and maybe they'll make the pick, but it just doesn't seem like the draft. If it was next year's draft, you know, or last year's draft, they might have made that pick. Um, but I think they want to be a lot more competitive today. So maybe it's being shopped. Celtics, on the other hand, it's interesting that we had all of these picks to play with that all could have been potential lottery picks. And, um, you know, thinking about the Sacramento pick and now the Memphis. And, and they really, I mean, they didn't turn out like the players we got didn't necessarily turn out to be bad. But the draft position was meh. And this Memphis pick was something that we had really high hopes for. And it's meh. I mean, in, in, in a meh draft, they've got 14. Will they add depth? Sure. Can, but they, these are all picks we thought they would package and trade maybe. And, and they've got, and you and I have talked about this, they've got so many young players, you know, and, and that draft slot, you know, is pretty much in the Romeo Langford land for the most part. Uh, you know, are they really going to get an impact kind of player? And even if they did, do they really have any room on this roster anymore for any more young players? I'm, I'm not sure uh, that, I don't think they can trade this pick, and I'm not sure what, how much they're going to be able to do with it either, to be honest with you. Well, I, yeah, I, I think they they are overloaded. They're going to need to make trades. Uh, you know, we really don't want to see situations where players are cut uh, in an opportunity in an opportunity to try to uh, you know create roster spots. I mean, you've got three number one picks. You've got a second round pick. You've got a full roster. You've got, you know, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Gordon Hayward, but I would assume he's going to opt into that last year of his contract. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, so, I mean, really the Celtics, just in terms of roster spots, you would think they'd need to trade some people. I mean, Tremont Waters, you've got him coming off his two-year, his two-way deal. Same with Taco. I mean, you feel like they've got to consolidate some some players here at some point. Um, 
And, you know, this is kind of a draft where maybe you can do that. Um, the problem is, is there's, you know, there isn't really any like kind of star guy that you're going to go up and get it like seven or eight in this draft. It's not a deep draft. It's not a great draft. So you really don't want to spend a lot of draft capital in a draft that's maybe weaker um, on the whole. But, you know, look, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm going to trust Danny Age. I know people get on, you know, well, you know, what about this guy? What about Fab Mello? What about, you know, Yabu? But, like, honestly, like, come on. There's uh, Are there people who've maybe had statistically better opportunities in drafting? Maybe. There aren't many, though. There aren't many guys who've done better in the draft than Danny Ainge has. And, you know, I think, I do think that Grant I would Williams just love to see him out. spin it off. I'd love to see him spin these picks yeah. out for future first rounds. Because you know what happens? Once they become a player, if you're going to spin yeah. them off, they become a second round pick. If we could turn these, even if they're protected future first, if we can just kick the can down the road. I mean, right. even last year, I thought we'd kick the can down the road and we made we made all the picks, didn't we? Yeah, well, yeah, we did. well, we, Grant, we did that weird Tokyo. thing. Where we, we, yeah. we took one and we kicked it, and then we used it to get, you know, basically to get off of, you know, Bain's contract, so that way we could, you know, so it was that whole, you know, that whole kind of shuffle. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, and the, and the Tybal deal, but yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I think that's that an ideal world. You you try to kick some of this down to. Uh, um, you know, down the road to next year, at least at least one or two of them, you're gonna have more people who who will be up next year. Hayward will be up, uh, you know, Tice and others, and the Cantor. So, I mean, having I mean, multiple first round picks. To, yeah, I mean, they're gonna keep paying people, right? And so it's these rookie yes. deals that keep all of that in check, so right. that you're fiscally sound. And so having three picks in a year where you've already got your top you know, six players on the roster pretty well established is, is the way you want it to be. And, and, you know, that, that, I mean, you've got smart Brown Hayward Kemba's here for a while, right? Even if uh, smart Tatum Brown Kemba, even if Hayward doesn't stick around, you've got Rob Williams, he's going to be around. You got Romeo. I mean, I'm already at to six players you know, that you know aren't going to go anywhere, most likely. Um, I don't even know that I said Grant Williams, but I think, you know, he's just going to be one of those perpetual rotation players. He might not stick around at the end of his rookie deal. Uh, he's one of those guys that kind of fringes it at that point. Um, you know, Tice seems like he could be an affordable keeper uh, for another another contract. Um he- you yeah, know. he's a non non guaranteed guy, and Cantor's got a player option uh, for next year. It would seem like he would. And he already him. took cheap. He already took it on the cheap. Right. So why you, not to keep playing for a you know Eastern Conference Finals potential Finals team, right? That's uh, only getting unless, better. Unless Cantor really goes crazy, you know, you got to think he's going to opt in. So I mean, I think you're generally going to have the same veterans around next year. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think they're going to keep Wanamaker around at 1.8 million, you know, but to me, you know, you've got a number of these players, you know, Pori Ray, that would be a guy I would try to maybe move because that's just not a lot of money that you're going to want to keep, um, on the books for the, for the coming year. But yeah, I mean, consolidating, consolidating, consolidating. I mean, I would love to turn some of these contracts and some of this draft capital into a veteran player. You know, the problem is, is they're already at 119 million for this year. You know, they're projected if, if Hayward drop, opts in to for 144 million next year. And that's, and, and of course that doesn't even count Tatum getting maxed out the following year. So, you know, there's obviously yeah, concern maybe, about cap space yeah. as well that they got to keep yeah. an eye on. That's why I'm, know, that's why I'm saying move the picks down the road. You know, maybe you make one of the first round picks or some second round. You know, it's but yep. the, but but you just you just got to work with what you got and try to leave those picks at your future disposal to keep dollars down and keep growing and re, and replacing veterans. Except we're not going to be able to replace all the veterans that will ultimately leave this team, and this is, and the core will get better, but the veterans won't be able to be replaced. It'll have to be more rookies. This is why we listened to Eric Weiss 15 years ago when we first got to know him. Dude, he nailed <laughs> it. Because this was this his theme. Yeah, yeah, yep. absolutely. 
and he and he was right as rain about it. You know, the problem, the only problem with the sellers having gone so heavy in that direction is I don't think there's enough veterans around that you can rely upon who've been there, done that. You know, I I don't think, you know, the you know that 08 Celtics club, for example, was was veteran heavy, but the the young players had their what place. What is going on this in your team, background? Oh, which my which son kid is has making, rated your yeah. Yeah, my my oldest Will is is making popcorn, and so it's so hold on a second. Hold on a second. Yeah. Will yeah. commandeered the office to play oh, Fortnite. I'm down. No, no, that was Carter. Carter's oh, playing. Carter's in the office. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay. downstairs, and uh, he's my son is making popcorn. So uh, yeah, that's that's a little that's a, that's a little air pop little or microwave baseball. Yeah, uh, microwave. So pretty soon you're gonna hear the beep beep. Oh, he already popped it. Oh, there you go. Very nice. Oh, great. Very great. nice. Yeah, big big fans of the microwave popcorn. We're all gonna okay. have that. All right. Popcorn lung. Anyway, we hit an hour. I'm wrapping this. Good idea. I can't believe we did an hour. This is what happens when you don't talk about basketball for so had, many months. We did have a 20 minute manscaped ad too, though. So we to be fair, did have a 20 minute manscaped ad. <laughs> okay, so it was 15. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. As a reminder, you can subscribe to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And I guess that's it. On behalf of John and myself, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Celtic Stuff Live.